Steve Jobs once said, the only way to do great work is to love what you do. Welcome to episode nine of the Dr. Cliff podcast, 20 plus one long years. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me. This is Dr. Cliff on the Dr. Cliff podcast. I think you're going to stick with that uh, title. It seems to be working. Uh, plus, I can't think of any other ideas. So, episode nine, I am actually recording this on January 1st, 2021. Uh, I hope everyone had a good and safe night last night celebrating 2020. I think we're all pretty happy that 2020 is gone. It's been a Brought a lot of challenges and, and struggles to the entire world. And the beginning of 21 isn't going to be uh, much easier, but uh, there is hope on the horizon and hope is all we need. So it was kind of tongue in cheek that I called this the 20 plus one long years. And uh, the reason is, is I had been going around for the last few weeks telling everyone that my 20 year anniversary of owning Wellington Vet Hospital uh, was coming up. You know, I bought it on the millennium. Uh, right on January 1st, 2000, I, I took control. kind of joked with everyone that I hoped the banks were going to uh, were gonna hit some sort of virus or have some problems with the way the uh, digital clocks were flipping over, that they were going to lose all my loan information and I would have this business for free. But I guess they would also lose the information that I actually own the business. Um, but anyway, so I was telling everyone and I was thinking to myself, hey, this is 20 years this is quite a, a milestone to get through owning any business successfully for 20 years is 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 tough and is exciting. Uh, and then I was actually writing in my journal. And yes, I do. Uh, I do kind of keep a journal, a little bit of a diary, you know, sometimes just to challenge myself and 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 make me think through some of my uh, some of my problems, and it's uh, a good way to vent. Uh, Lord knows my wife is is you know she's great. She listens to me venting, but uh, it's probably enough for anyone to put up with. So I do it through my journal, and actually, as I write things down, and I I do use a a pen and and paper. Um, I find it's uh, more sort of artistic and creative that way, or I guess more personal that way versus typing it out on a keyboard. Uh, uh, you know, I'm sitting here writing down about it being 20 years and and how uh, it's been 20 years since owning a clinic and then, t- you know, almost 23 years, it'll be 23 this spring that I became a veterinarian student. And I started thinking, well, wait a minute, I bought my business less than two years into being a veterinarian. So all of a sudden the math didn't work out and I, I normally pride myself on being uh, pretty good with numbers and uh, I literally counted on my fingers even though I knew the math, uh, how it was going to work out that, you know, 2000 is one year, 2001 is two years, 2003, da 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 and lo and behold, uh, this is now 21 years that I've owned my business. So the 20th anniversary actually slipped by without me realizing it. But uh, a year ago, I was about to jump on a plane with my daughter and my friend Gaia and my daughter's friend Melody, and we were going to head to Egypt, record some episodes about rescuing in Egypt and uh, rescuing animals in Egypt. And, And lo and behold, you know, obviously it slipped by my mind 20 years and I was dealing with, uh, everyone was dealing with the global pandemic and uh, uh, just sort of the stress of 
of, of projects and family and finances, et cetera, et cetera. And I got a bunch of other major projects in the works that are big secret. I don't want to tell anyone right now because I'm going to be a little bit superstitious and, and not uh, maybe jinx the situation, but hopefully I'll be able to tell uh, you fans of the Dr. Cliff podcast soon about what that project is. Anyways, so this is no longer the 20 long years title episode, episode nine. This is the 20 plus one long years. So uh, what I'm, we're going to talk about on this podcast is the things I've learned, the five lessons uh, I kind of came up with over the last 20 plus one years of uh, being uh, self-employed and running Wellington Vet Hospital here in the heart of Markham, just north of tiny little city called Toronto. Um, all right, so let's get right to this. First of all, one of the one lessons, I'm going to say the number one lesson is this is a real business. Owning a veterinary clinic is a real business. And I've actually had people over the years, I actually had a little uh, stent where I, I, I ran for local Markham uh, counselor, municipal sort of local politics. And I had a few of my um, opponents talk about, hey, you're not really a business owner, you run a vet clinic and it's not a real business. And and obviously they were just trying to, uh, just trying to, show that they were better as a better candidate than I am. And um, Amanda ended up beating me. She's done a great job. I don't live in Markham anymore. I am in this little city of Toronto. So she's not my counselor anymore, but she's done a great job. And she basically just outworked me because she was uh, working on her campaign uh, six months before anybody else. So she deserves it. Anyways, veterinarian running a vet hospital is a real business. Um, you know, we don't just take care of puppies and kittens. And gone are the days where, you know, 30, 40 years ago, you just hang a sign up uh, in front of your little clinic saying that you're a veterinarian and, and the clients start to show up. You have to, you know, deal with marketing. You have to deal with payroll. You have to deal with taxes, certainly human resources and staffing and being a leader and uh, paying your staff before you pay yourself. And there are times where I went, my family and I went, uh, you know, a month, month and a half without any sort of paycheck. Uh, we just had to sort of use our savings up, knowing that a busy season was coming up. And uh, the veterinarian business is, at least in Ontario, is pretty cyclical. We'll probably generate about 40% of our annual revenue in about a 10-week, maybe 12-week period, uh, basically in the springtime for various reasons. But, um, you know, I really learned about sort of the business side of, of running a clinic in the fall of 2016, um, I had come back from a volunteer trip in Jamaica and um, ended up, I don't want to get too personal here, ended up uh, becoming single. Um, uh, you know, th there were some problems with my marriage that I wasn't aware of. And, and my wife, Kathy, at the time, uh, did the right thing for her and for the family in the long run, because, you know, every person should be happy in a marriage that that she wanted to end the marriage and as far as the business side she was she was the business manager she was a and she was very very good at it she was a a graduate of the uh, honors business management uh, uh, program from a very illustrious small but extremely well-known university here in the GTA and she'd run a, a multi-million dollar retail uh, company for her parents and had done very, very well for them, making their company uh, extremely successful and profitable. 
So she knew what she was doing. She was kind of my ace in the hole, you know. I was able to focus on the puppies and the kittens and the staffing because she didn't really come into work. She kind of did everything from home while she took care of the kids. But all of a sudden, lo and behold, I had to deal with all the office manager stuff. And it was literally sort of dropped on my uh, onto my lap uh, without without much warning in the sense of I didn't, you know, I didn't realize this was going to happen. Now, she did... You know, she certainly didn't just disappear and say, screw you, you got to deal with it all. She she kind of helped me through some of the processes, answered some of my questions and talked to the accountant and, and whatnot. But all of a sudden I had to start dealing with payroll and I had to start scheduling the staff and scheduling the technicians. And and, uh, you know, I still remember the day when I when I paid my first um corporate taxes, my first federal taxes, and learning how to do that on the computer via my bank account. It was kind of a big thing for me because, you know, it was, it just made me feel like, hey, this, this business is, is now everything is resting on my shoulders. Um, You know, I could no longer rely on somebody else to help me out with, with determining marketing strategies, or again, dealing with the legalities of human resources. Now, the interesting thing, though, is, you know, the business actually flourished. It ended up, it was always, you know, it was doing steady. It was comfortable. Uh, there were some waves, but nothing to, you know, tidal wave-like. Um, but all of a sudden, you know, we were picking up momentum and picking up steam. And I kind of realized that having my spouse deal with the business side of the business of, of running my clinic was holding me back. And, you know, she was by no means an anchor. She was, it was not her fault. It was this, it was the the situation where I was able to sort of note the weaknesses and measure the, the, the weaknesses and the strengths. And because I was paying attention to the business side of Wellington Vet Hospital, as well as the animal care and, and fun, cute, cuddly side of it, you know, it's that age old saying that whatever is measured is improved. And we became more profitable and we became more efficient. And I hope, I hope the listeners don't feel that profit is a, is an evil word. Every business has to be profitable. And even a business where the primary purpose is to take care of animals still has to be profitable or else we can't take care of the animals. We can't pay our staff. We can't attract the best staff. We can't offer the best services. But, you know, so I, I, I realized at that point that all the naysayers were wrong, that running a veterinarian hospital is a real business. It just happens to be a business in which selling widgets and gadgets and thingamajigs is not the primary purpose. The primary purpose is passionately and with compassion and care and love. It's providing a, a service of taking care of animals and helping them sort of uh, uh, live as long as possible and be a be a, a member of a family. So that was my first my first lesson. Now, my second lesson is that uh, growing a veterinary business and just like any other business is really hard work. And you know, p- people are probably listening to this going, well, y- yeah, duh. Um, it is hard work. Well, I, I wasn't quite, I guess I wasn't quite prepared for it in the sense of 
you know, when I first opened up my business, I knew it was going to be fun and I knew it was going to be hard work. But, you know, if someone had have compared or asked me if it was as difficult as, say, running a restaurant or something of that nature, I'd say, well, no way. You know, uh, uh, um, you know, certainly it's it's a, le- a lot less risk. You know, uh, the majority of restaurants go under in the first year and the profit margins are tighter and whatnot. But it was still a lot of work. And, you know, it, it's been 21 years, 20 plus one years, and I'm still working six days a week. I remember times when I owned multiple vet clinics, and I'll get to that later about sort of the challenges of that, that, you know, there are times where I think I worked like 23 days straight. Um, so no Sundays off. There's a period I, I worked 23 days straight. I had one day off, and then I worked like another 21 days straight. This isn't like work, oh, I'm sitting at a computer doing work. No, I'm driving to the clinic and I'm doing surgery and I'm dealing with emergencies and and all the while, you know, HR issues and, and, and running that quote unquote real business, right? As well as taking care of these animals. Of course, this happened, these, uh, you know, 45, whatever the math is, 45 out of 46 straight days happened right before a vacation. And then um, I got sick on the vacation. It always seemed to work that way that I would work extra hard before Christmas break or something like that. And then I'd end up getting sick because my body was, you know, sort of holding it all together and, and avoiding, uh, getting ill, coming down with the flu or whatnot, knowing that I had to deal with these problems and then kind of waiting. Yeah. You wait, buddy. Once, uh, once vacation time starts, four days off or three days off because that's all we would take you're gonna get sick for those three days but you know it was very very hard work you it was six days a week and even you know wellington vet hospital prior to uh covid kind of hitting in march so 10 months ago was open seven days a week and my associate would work sundays so even though i wasn't working sundays though i was still receiving phone calls and having to make the occasional decision um, that the staff rightfully so wanted the owner, that's me, to make a, you know, to make a, a certain judgment call or I'd be doing paperwork. But as far as going into the clinic, you know, six days a week, uh, there was a time probably for the first decade that I was on call by myself. And this is how you build a business, especially one that's built around sort of trust like this is if you want to gain someone's trust, you be there in a pinch in the middle of the night when needed. But if you called my clinic during those first that first 10 years where I was building the practice, if you called my clinic after hours, the answering machine told you my cell number. And I didn't go in for every single emergency. In a lot of emergencies, I could walk people sort of deal with the problem through the phone and say, hey, we can see you tomorrow morning. This is what you got to do to to deal with the problem tonight. And little fluffy will be okay until we can see you in the morning. But it was still, you know, it was still a lot of work and it was still very, very stressful, you know. And then as far as, uh, you know, being a lot of work, I, I, I expanded. I had these sort of uh, visions of grandeur and I wanted to own multiple clinics. And uh, I tried to buy a clinic uh, in the Toronto area and I kind of got screwed out of, I got ripped off basically by the guy he was selling. He was never really planning on selling and just wanted me to do a bunch of uh, paperwork and then, you know, I paid the lawyer and the accounts to do all this financial research. And then he ended up getting all that research from me and basically said, ah, screw you. I changed my mind. That was a lesson. Uh, you know, I, I, I learned a lot. And, and then uh, a couple of months later, I actually bought a, a small clinic just down the street from Wellington called Markham Heritage Animal Hospital. Um, and it was sort of just a tiny little satellite clinic, but it allowed me to expand my business in the city 
here without actually expanding the footprint that I was in because I was not able to expand the the practice. Uh, Wellington Vet Hospital was in this tiny little house and due to zoning and all these sort of environmental concerns, we were near a park, we were not, not allowed to make a, the practice any bigger. So I bought the second practice to allow my business as a whole to expand. And then I ended up having an opportunity to buy a clinic in Brampton, which is about a 45 minute drive. And uh, I did buy it in 2008, right before the global almost depression hit, uh, certainly massive recession in the US, less so in Canada, but still. Um, and it was the first year uh, in decades that veterinarian clinics as a whole in Canada were not growing. Uh, we were happy if we could grow by one or 2% instead of the usual, say 10%. So I, I bought it at the wrong time. I bought it for more than I should have. And I found that it was too much hard work to try and run these three practices. The one in Brampton, after five years, we moved to a different facility. And uh, maybe for another day, I'll, I'll go deeper into the story of how the, the veterinarian, who was a real good friend of mine, and, and I considered, uh, I felt like I was his mentor, uh, and, and was, he was becoming a, a part of my family in the sense of, you know, I really cared about this gentleman. He decided to leave my practice and open up and basically stole 60% of my clients. So I ended up having to sell the clinic in Brampton. And 12 years later, I'm still paying for the loss. So, you know, there's another lesson learned. But running this business is extremely hard work. Hours and effort and uh, financial stress and just the intellectual capacity needed to run a business um, and a veterinarian business is, is pretty extreme. So, you know, these are two tough lessons that I'm painting here already. The third one is that although it's very difficult and it is a true business and it's a lot of hard work, the, the concept of running a business and especially one that's like a, a, a veterinary business that is emotion based and, and service based, um, is that it's pretty simple. And what I mean by that, and I, I realize I'm sort of uh, contradicting myself, is I basically just have to take care of the pets. And again, what I mean by that is you take care of the pets and the business itself will sort of correct itself uh, or will take care of itself. So focus on your clients and focus on, in my case, the patients and as long as I can sort of take care of the patients and make sure people are happy, then it gives me the, I get, I'm going to say the flexibility, it gives me the flexibility and the freedom to make a few mistakes regarding the business side of it. So for any of you sort of budding veterinarians out there or similar fields where the service that you're going to be providing in your business is as much emotion based as it is you know, knickknacks and, and, you know, uh, selling, uh, tiddlywinks and, and who what's it's and what, and whatnot. If it's service oriented and emotion oriented, focus on that sort of original passion and recognize that it'll, if you can do that right, it'll allow you to have the freedom to learn as I did in 2016 how to deal with the books and how to deal with the financial side and the non-emotional side. You know, when I first bought this, this practice again, 20 plus one years ago to the day, 
it was a struggling veterinarian hospital. A tiny little house, you know, maybe 700 square feet. Cute little country home, though, with its own parking and, and you know, right off the, the main strip, basically right off very close to the 407, the major toll highway here. Uh, and the McCowan Road was a major road. And right across the street was this brand new 2000 home um, uh, like complex being built. So it was the right time to take over. But I remember going into this place and my dad, my father, who was an accountant, retired accountant at the time, uh, who I think very highly of, and, and he still mentors me to this day. He came and he checked out, you know, the business, which is smart. I was only 26 at the time. So we wanted to make sure his, uh, his youngest wasn't uh, going to screw things up. Uh, especially because I had children at the time. I had, the two boys were born. They were a year old. Uh, Emily was yet uh, to be born. So he wanted to make sure I wasn't screwing things up for his grandchildren, probably. And I give him this tour of this tiny little house, and it's filthy. And he's telling me flat out, this place is disgusting. There was dirt on the windows, and all the paint everywhere was chipping, you know, in this back sort of little room. Uh, it would have been like a bedroom, which was the office slash x-ray room. There was literally a path through piles of bags of garbage or stacked up. It wouldn't really be garbage because it didn't, it wasn't stuff that was rotting, but it was like the guy, the, the guy, the previous veterinarian had 20 phones that were just sitting there and they were all working. So you could argue he wasn't a hoarder, but it's like, he just didn't like, why would you, if you're not going to fix them, get rid of them, donate them, like do something. But it was just this really, really disgusting and gross place. And my father said to me, and I still, uh, you know, I, I remember it vividly to this day. He said, this place is disgusting. And if you can't make this place a success, then you should never own a business. And he wasn't being harsh. And I didn't take it as him being harsh. He was basically saying, there's a lot of potential here. And Cliff just... Keep it simple. Make this place something you can be proud of, something he, my father, can be proud to say my son owns this business and where people are going to come in and they're not going to look at the chipped paint and the dirty windows and question sort of the level of care. And it's not just, you know, like rouge and lipstick. This stuff is important. Um, there's a saying about rouge and lipstick is just the, the stuff that makes a house pretty, but it's really the home that's important. But when it comes to a business, especially one that's medically sort of associated and, and you're kind of dealing with the care and the science behind taking care of an animal and that, yes, we are real doctors and it's not Wellington veterinarian whatever, like clinic or Wellington veterinarian facility, it's Wellington veterinary hospital. And you need to look as clean and as professional as possible and take care of the little things, take care of the simple things and the business will flourish. And to be honest, the first year, uh, to get to the sort of number side of it, our revenue went up like 35%. And of course, the banks kind of said it would never happen. And then when it happened the first year, they kind of laughed and said it won't happen a second time. And a second time, we did like 28% or some ridiculous number. Like we did really, really well the first couple of years because we were building on a poorly managed, um, overcomplicated sort of business practice. Um, and so we just, we just made it a place that we would be proud of, both physically, 
um, sort of emotionally and as far as a family feel to it. It was this cute little house that we made it look like this cute little country home. Um, and everyone knew me by Cliff, you know, Dr. Cliff. And I started to get to know people and their children. Um, and of course, now these kids are are grown up and having children of their own and bringing me their pets. And it's kind of interesting seeing, you know, little Mr. Thomas, uh, Master Thomas, who's now Mr. Thomas, and 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 he's got his own children and he brings me his dogs. And, it, you know, it's kind of this cool uh, circle. Makes me feel a little old, but, you know, so we basically just did these small improvements every single day and, and worked on the simple things and recognized that these small improvements every single day sort of built this foundation that now 20 plus one years later, you know, the foundation is as solid as can be. We have now moved from that little tiny facility about eight years ago, seven and a half years ago, we actually, I had already sold and, and lost all that money in the business in Brampton. I merged the two clinics in, in Markham, which was always my plan into this big 2,600 square foot facility with two surgery rooms and three exam rooms and actually an indoor dog park for the dogs to exercise and have fun into this big, big facility that you know has been built almost brick by brick, subjectively speaking, brick by brick in, in, in sort of just the simple stuff and building that foundation and making these little improvements every single day. So don't overcomplicate things when you are running a business. Yes, it's super hard work. Uh, it's going to take sweat equity and it's going to take tears and effort and late nights, but the actual concept is not difficult itself. It's take care of the clients in my hand, take care of the patients, and eventually the business will take care of you and your family uh, and, and will grow into something much bigger that you can be proud of. You know, I talk about uh, uh, these clients who are little kids and some of them even volunteered with, with my clinic. My associate, Dr. Shanice, was actually a volunteer a student uh, with me and then came back to me many, many years ago as a veterinarian and is now working for me. Um, and so what I'm realizing as I'm, I'm, especially during this time of COVID where there's all these challenges and I'm spending time talking to families about how they're handling the pandemic, I'm actually realizing that the relationships I have with these people is, is, is so important to me. And it's, they're becoming, they've become my friends and they're sort of like a, a, a member of my extended family. Um, and that's the fourth sort of point as far as the lesson I've learned is, is for me, it's the relationships that have really uh, become to matter. Although I remember, cause I am a numbers guy, except for when I tried to figure out how many years it's been owning this business. You know, I remember very vividly sort of certain economic and fiscal uh, milestones um, what I remember more are families and the pets that they had many, many years ago and the pets that I've seen from essentially birth, you know, they come in at six weeks old all the way to unfortunately passing away at 15 years or 17 years or sometimes a lot younger, three or four years, you know, um, but I see that cycle of life and, uh, you know, I, I become bonded with these people through these tragedies. And of course, it's sad, but it ends up being a very powerful and uplifting and wonderful experience in the grand scheme of things that I'm able to be a part of their lives and they're a part of my lives. Um, you know, 
it's brought me so much joy and it's allowed me, regardless of what's going to happen to this business, you know, there's going to come a time where I am going to sell it, obviously. None of my children want to be veterinarians. My daughter, Emily, uh, is kind of in the field, but right now in Ontario, um, you have to be a veterinarian to own a veterinarian clinic. There's going to come a time where I'm going to retire and sell it. Even if I do sell it to one of my children, I'm not going to give it to them. They're going to have to work for it. Um, but you know, it, it, I've become what I will remember is not the not the fiscal side of owning a business. It's the 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 relationships that I've built, the relationships I've built with staff. That's a big one. And and not all relationships went well. You know, I I made some mistakes with some of my staff members and my team members in the past, and I've I've hurt their feelings, and some of them have really hurt mine as well. And and while I've forgiven them, I've, I'll never forget what they did and I wish them no ill, but I learned from it. But in the end, it's been a very positive experience. And, you know, no matter how stressful this, the 20 plus one years has been, both in the business side and my personal side, I do feel like it is quite an honor that I've been able to um, sort of be involved in these people's lives as far as clients are concerned, help them take care of their pets and help them come to decisions when it's time to say goodbye and then see them six months later when they bring in a new puppy. And so many of them say when their first one passes away, this is it. This is the last dog. This is the last cat. I can't handle this, you know, difficulty. It's, it's too heartbreaking. And almost to the person, they all, sort of change their mind very, very quickly. So I kind of just, you know, I give them a hug and I say, yeah, I understand. Just give yourself some time to be, to be, you know, take care of yourself and your human family, maybe travel and vacation. And especially if they've been spent years of medicating and taking care of their ailing pet. Um, but I know that they're coming back. Like I know these people, uh, having a pet in their lives and in their family is in their blood and it's something they can't, uh, they can't ignore and they miss the good times, even though there ends up being some bad times at the end. This was actually a lesson and I'll go on a slight uh, detour here. This is actually a lesson I was reminded of recently um, for the people that have watched the YouTube channel and, and, you know, check it up youtube.com slash DR cliff. So they've seen the episode about uh, my family dog, the two episodes of my family dog Thalia being sick. And I've talked about it on this podcast as well. Um, that was actually a really good lesson for me. And, and probably we're going to say that this is sort of lesson four a, it'll be a secondary lesson that, you know, at least being a veterinarian, I think it's important. And this is going to sound weird that your animals become sick. And, and I, and of course, eventually your animals are going to die. I've had to euthanize as a veterinarian, one, two, three, four, five, five of my pets in the last 23 years. Right. Um, since graduating in 98, but Thalia was the first one that really became sick when she was young. She was only, she wasn't even three. She'd had her third birthday as she was slowly recovering from this liver toxin. Um, but there was a, there was a time where I thought we were going to lose her and she wasn't, you know, she wasn't eating. We had to put in a feeding tube, you know, so check out the videos and, and check out the past podcast episode that talks about it to hear more. But it taught me 
sort of what the pressures that these family members, these clients are going through. And this is a, they would have been going through these problems when their animal was sick without the knowledge that I have, you know, understanding what the disease process is. And let's be frank, without the financial ability in most cases, like I don't bill myself really when it comes to my pets being sick. The money's going back into my company. So, you know, I, I can do things without actually charging myself. But for for interest sake, I did put into the computer how much all this stuff would have cost. The IV fluids, the multiple tests, the medication, the ultrasound, the hospitalization. And I didn't charge myself for when Thalia was coming home on IV fluids, but I would have if this was a, a pet's dog. So even skipping out some of those fees, it still cost about $13,000 Canadian. So for you Americans, that's about nine grand American. Um, it would have been understandable if people couldn't have afforded that. And if they couldn't have afforded that, they might have had to say goodbye to their almost three-year-old puppy, right? Now, the good news is, is Thalia is fully recovered after two weeks on IV fluids and surgery, putting in a feeding tube and all these drugs. And she's still on some supplements now, but we're now weaning her off. It was about two months. I've kind of lost track, maybe six weeks after the fact. Uh, but a week ago, we recently did uh, sort of some recheck blood work and her liver enzymes are completely normal. Her liver function is 100%. So she is essentially cured. She, thank goodness, did not develop chronic hepatopathy or chronic liver dysfunction and disease, kind of like cirrhosis in people, because that might have been something that that would have severely uh, shortened her lifespan. Um, so it was, you know, it took me almost 21 years to learn that lesson. Um, and it was something I thought I understood what clients were going through. But uh, I think I did a pretty good job, but I wasn't as empathetic as I needed to be. And it actually really changed. Um, it has changed the way I'm, I'm sort of communicating with clients and, and trying to show them the support needed and helping them out financially when times are needed, you know, so I've learned a lot and it's the relationships that I've had and I've generated with my staff and with my clients and with their pets and recognizing the relationships they have with their pets are similar the same as the relationship I have with my pets and, and maybe their challenges are greater, but what an amazing profession and what an amazing 20 plus one years I've, I've been able to sort of experience these, these wonderful lessons. I would say the last lesson is, and I've got written down here that, you know, there's hardships, there's hardships as I've discussed, there's challenges as I've discussed financially veterinarians do well but it was only the last couple of years that i've been able to pay myself what i think my training and my services are worth um uh, so there was almost a 20-year period there where i was making significantly less than say a family physician would make or a dentist would make or a chiropractor would make or you know all these professional these medically trained professional services, which are comparative. We do compare the things that I can do and the, the services I provide are comparative in some sense, better than uh, and more uh, sort of impressive than a family doctor would provide because we do so much 
you know, so many things, right? As far as surgery and radiology and dermatology and, and obviously medicine and, and sort of primary care, which is what a family doctor focuses on. So there's all these uh, disadvantages or challenges or difficulties with being a veterinarian. But the, the last lesson is this is still the greatest job in the world. And I've talked about this in a few other podcasts. Again, I have made so many amazing friends. I've gotten to a place in my career and my life that I can volunteer now. And I volunteer once a week, minimum once a week with a wildlife uh, sanctuary just north of us. And I get to provide my services for free. And I've learned so much by doing that. I'm still, it's like I'm still going to school and learning about you know, these, the overcoming these, these surgical challenges, because we don't have the same tools, or, you know, I'm learning about how to put pins into broken bones of bald eagles. I mean, I fixed a, I helped a bald eagle fly recently. How, how cool is that, you know, and dealing with a grumpy coyote or, or getting poked with uh, the quills of a porcupine as I'm trying to uh, repair its uh, laceration. And I mean, although that was painful, it was quite a lesson and quite an experience, right? The latest episode, I believe on the, the Dr. Cliff pod or the Dr. Cliff uh, YouTube uh, page is about Boxing Day, the day after Christmas, I volunteered because it was once a week and the animals don't take days off when it comes to being sick. I volunteered again with Shades of Hope Wildlife uh, uh, Rehab Place and, and we dealt with a 200 pound female deer. This doe had fallen into the water and had hypothermia. And, you know, after we dealt with it and threw in the IV catheter and got it warming up and dealing with all these problems and dealt with its laceration, I, you know, I talked to Kate and Sarah, who are the people that work at this, this uh, sanctuary and said, you know, like, this is, this is probably the coolest way to spend a day off possible, right? Like, imagine these experiences. So, you know, I've learned so much. And this was my dream, you know, to be a veterinarian. As a kid, I always wanted to do this. And it's probably the number one dream, the most common, desirable job of children out there. If you ask so many children, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to do? So many of them say veterinarian. And us veterinarians sometimes forget that, right? Like we're dealing with the challenges, we're dealing with the stresses, and we forget how happy we were like crying with joy when we when we were accepted into vet school and how happy we were and proud everyone was of us when we graduated and then in my case to be able to buy my own practice and provide jobs and create these relationships and help people keep their animals healthy for as long as possible and then to help them say goodbye in a meaningful, peaceful, beautiful way, humane way, and give their beloved pet the, the final gift of a peaceful passing. You know, uh, to be able to do all these things makes this incredibly non-boring job. So that's another thing is, boy, is this thing exciting, the stuff I get to do. Even if I wasn't doing the volunteering around the world, India and Egypt and Greece and Northern Ontario and Jamaica, and, and then with the wildlife rehab, and then dealing with the animals that come into my clinic. Like this is such a interesting, exciting, and emotionally rewarding job. And it is financially rewarding enough. You know, my 
Children are comfortable. My, I was able to take care of my family. I live in a medium-sized, semi-detached home with a nice backyard. And I'm able to go on vacation for a couple of weeks a year. Of course, I use that to volunteer, but that's that's sort of for another podcast where I've got this uh, these these demons I chase where I can never really sit down and calm down on a beach and, and drink Mai Tais. But, oh my God, what an amazing career this is. And it's only been 20 plus one years. And I'm going to sign off and I'm going to say goodbye to saying, you know, you guys know me. A lot of people know that I'm a marathon runner and a marathon is 42 kilometers or 26 miles. And for this argument, we're going to say it's we're going to say it's 42 kilometers. We're going to talk about uh, the metric system. So I have done 21 kilometers in a marathon. If my career is a marathon, I am only halfway there. And it means well into my 60s, I am going to be a veterinarian. And it is my identity. And maybe I'm not going to be working. I sure as hope, hell, I'm not working six days a week when I'm in my late 60s. But I will always be a veterinarian. I will always be a caregiver of animals. I will always help people take care of their pets. I will always volunteer. This is who I am. This is my identity. I am proud of it. And thank God I've been able to do this for as long as I've been able to do it. And I continue to, you know, run, quote unquote, run this marathon and I will finish it strong and I will be happy for the pains that I felt and the joys that I felt along the way. And uh, I appreciate you guys taking this this uh, adventure with me. And thank you for listening. I will sign off episode nine of the Dr. Cliff podcast, 20 plus one long years. Peace. I love you. Here's to 21 more years and always be kind to animals. Thank you.